Titans vis-a-vis the housing market. We found out from Brian Rushton an hour or so ago, Mr. Rushton, the COO of Century 21, that as we might have expected, their new numbers show British Columbia and specifically the lower mainland of Vancouver as Canada's most expensive market, in which many people are still debating the, uh, well, it's been around for a while, renting or buying. Let's check some of the facts. And this morning, we're very lucky to have Nelson So with us. Mr. So is the co-author of a book called Life Literacy. He is a certified public accountant, he's a financial literacy expert, and he is the co-founder of FSQ Consulting. Nelson So, good morning. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sterling. Well, it's good to have you with us, Nelson. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the facts involved in, in renting versus buying. Because when you cut to the chase and you really boil it down, there's a lot of emotion in the discussion and sometimes to the, to the neglect of a lot of obvious facts. So let's zoom in on the facts as best we can this morning, Nelson, please. Sounds good. Yeah, you know, based on the recent um, housing survey released by CPA Canada, we found that 50% of Canadians who do do not currently own a home believe that it's unlikely they'll ever be able to purchase one. I believe that. And uh, I would imagine there's a certain very obvious age group attached to that group with that sentiment. Definitely. And that's going to be more in the millennial to uh, Gen Zers that are up and coming. Right. And we had a great conversation in our last hour with Bridget Casey in Calgary, Nelson, about the bank of mom and dad and the whole notion of giving gifts to your children while you're still around to enjoy them, uh, enjoy your their gifts and that sort of thing. Not risk free, but uh, uh, the kind of thing that in a market like Vancouver, and you live here, too, uh, it really does. It's a difference maker, isn't it? Totally. You know what? Based on that survey, um, 90% of people in BC specifically say that the hardest part about homeownership is affording the down payment. Right. And so let's talk about that if we can, because with minus the bank of mom and dad's gifting and that big push that that gives you, uh, you have to make a lot of money to, uh, to be able to afford a home in Vancouver, regardless of size. So let's talk about packaging up that down payment minus the bank of mom and dad, Nelson. Absolutely. Let's go right into maybe some financial literacy tips that people Perfect. can take with them. Um, number one, you know, spend within your means. So it's really important for people to look at their monthly spending and determine, you know, cash flow. How much am I making versus how much am I spending? And easier said than done, but we have to spend less than we earn. But it's also surprising when you sit down and itemize stuff like a cup of coffee here and, uh, you know, a magazine there or whatever. Uh, when you do a monthly tally on those incidentals, the numbers can sometimes be pretty eye-popping, can't they? Absolutely. Uh, you know, Sterling, there's this book called The Latte Factor um, by David Bach, and he talks about this latte factor, which is buying a $5 coffee every day and the impact of that when it's extrapolated over a long period of time. Now, the latte factor is not just for coffee. It's for everything in life. Sure, like a lottery ticket or whatever it may be, right? Totally. Subscriptions, everything like that. Interesting. And uh, with so many of us, I mean, there's, there's just that level of activity on the periphery. It's so common and so uh, so normal, in quotes, we don't even notice it much, do we? 
Exactly. And this is why it's so important that um, we need to review our bank statements, our credit card statements every month to know where our money is going so we don't spend time looking for it when we really need it the most. What about uh, carrying debt, uh, Nelson? Because most people do. Most people have a credit card out of necessity for whatever reason. And every now and then, especially in times when wages aren't keeping up with inflation, people are leaning on their credit cards more often than they're even accustomed to and starting to run up some numbers. And the interest rates are just staggering, aren't they? Absolutely. Credit card debt is probably one of the worst types of debt we can take on, just given the high interest rates. Um, And I think one of the misconceptions with using credit cards is the terminology on our statements when it says minimum payment due. Right. I think that people misunderstand that and they think that that's all that they need to pay. But the truth is you need to pay the full balance in full and on time in order to not have any interest charges. Right. But of course, even if it's not possible to pay the full balance because times can get ahead of you, uh, make as big a payment as you can. The, the minimum payment is only a guideline. It's, it is what it says. It's the minimum payment you must make at least X. But that's not, that's not the rule. You can go well beyond that, can't you? Totally. And I um, always encourage people to contribute as much as they can. If they can't afford to pay their credit cards in full due to circumstances, understand that. Contribute as much as you possibly can to draw that debt down. Uh, we, you talked to a lot of people about financial literacy. Brid- Bridget talked to us a little bit about it. And I, I asked her a question. I'd like to ask you almost identically, Nelson, when you're talking with younger people, young consumers and, and people in the workplace trying to get into the housing game and just trying to set out a life plan and all the rest of it and, and discover the limited degree of financial literacy involved. What do you find to be the most common mistakes young people make? That's a really good question. Um, I think that one of the most common mistakes that people make is kind of what we alluded to earlier is not really monitoring their cash flow. So when we look at expenses and how much people are spending every month, you know, like you said earlier, coffee here, coffee, coffee there, or shopping, online shopping, it's really easy now with one-click pay. Um, it's really, really important that people have a budget in place and they're really aware and intentional of where their money's going. It probably wouldn't surprise you as a certified public accountant, Nelson, that uh, we're starting to see an uptick in declaration of bankruptcies in the wake of these rising in interest rate times. It's not where it was pre-pandemic, but it is noticeable. And that's not a good thing to start noticing, is it? Definitely not. Um, as interest rates are going up, you know, loans and mortgages are getting more expensive. Um, it's getting harder to get larger loans. And with the housing prices going up, it makes people feel like they're forced to purchase into um, a high price at a high interest rate just to get in the market. And that can put a lot of people in a bad financial situation. So, you know, when it comes to renting, uh, you know, a lot of renting enables people to make alternative investments with the money that would have otherwise gone into monthly mortgage payments. You don't have to foot the bill for unexpected costs or special levies or whatever. Uh, There's a little more certainty to it there. You'll get a, a rental increase typically per year. But aside from that, there's a lot of certainty there. So there, the renting is, uh, is, a, is a viable option for a lot of people, and yet it has so much negativity attached to it. Talk to us a little bit about all of that. Yes, Darlene, that's a really good a hot topic, let's just say, renting versus buying. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would say that renting is not as bad as people, you know, think of it or they perceive it to be. 
Um, renting is great because if you can't afford home ownership in, say, downtown Vancouver, where prices might be completely out of reach um, for you to, to purchase in, you could potentially rent and achieve that lifestyle that matches with what you need at this point in your life. Well, and again, we, we, you know, we've, we've seen this in other parts of the world. Europeans, young Europeans a couple of generations ago decided life's too short. Uh, Europe's too expensive. We're going to rent and have some fun. And there's nothing wrong with that choice. I agree. And I think that people who are in that boat, um, it's really important to assess your financial goals and make sure that even though you're renting and and perhaps paying less than a mortgage, that you're squirreling away money um, every month for your financial goals, whether that be a down payment, a vacation or whatever that is. And you can suffer the slings and arrows of being told, hey, come on, you're being really dumb here. You're paying somebody else's mortgage. How foolish is that? Well, it's not foolish. It's a perfect arrangement for me. I'm renting and happy to do so, right? You do get sneered at from time to time, though, don't you? Well, Sterling, it's called personal finance for that reason, right? It's personal. Exactly. Now, what do you counsel young people, Nelson, who come to you looking for some kind of organizations, putting together some kind of financial plan that, you know, they can live with and long horizon? You know, this here's the ultimate goal, and here are we, and it's going to take us a while. So when you start organizing a long-term financial plan, what do you suggest the goals are? Yeah, I think it's important to, to figure out one is your life goals. Like if people are looking to have a family or if they're looking to purchase a home, like really put those in the forefront of your mind, because every time you make a financial decision, it's going to impact your long term goals. Right. And there's also a social cost, isn't there? Because in Canada, particularly, there's a culture of home ownership that is, uh, in, in many cases, especially in overpriced markets like Vancouver and Toronto, it's uh, it's a head scratcher in many cases. And yet it's very firmly entrenched, isn't it? It totally is, yes. So, uh, uh, you know, to avoid uh, the, uh, I guess, the, the arguments that come along with being with choosing the rental option, uh, that there, as there is in some cases, you're going to get some static. But on the other hand, you're also going to have, chances are, more money than someone your same age paying the mortgage payments because they're condo fees and insurance and all the rest of that stuff that, that never gets talked about either, right? Correct. And you know what? The um, ability to afford paying for renovations and property taxes, what like 80%, 86% of BC homeowners um, feel that is the biggest pinch. Which is keeping up with the tax tab every year. Correct. Yes. Interesting. And of course, as a renter, that's just not on your radar, is it? Well, it's one of the luxuries of being a renter. You don't have to worry about um, things like strata fees and annual property taxes and other levies. Let's uh, talk about, because you uh, are a financial literacy expert with the Certified Public Accountants of Canada, Nelson. You do good work, as in addition to being in private practice. Can you recommend a website to our listeners this morning where they can go and, and carry on or find out more in this renting versus buying, more fact-checking to get some more ammunition for whatever choice they decide on? Definitely. Um, the CPA Canada website actually has a lot of uh, free financial literacy tips, uh, articles, blogs, um, even some free workshops and sessions that people can attend um, for all stages of life. Okay, so just go to the CPA, uh, Google CPA uh, literacy and off you go, right? CPA Canada, that's correct. CPA Canada, financial literacy, and boom, you're on their website. Nelson So is the co-author of Life Literacy. He's the founder of FSQ Consulting, and he's a financial literacy expert. Nice to have found you, Nelson. We will definitely talk again, sir. Thank you so much for having us.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.